Guys, I'm Paul Ryan, your host of Across the Cowboys, a podcast brought to you by AcrossSports.net. And with me today is my co-host, Mike the Pig Crum. How you doing, guys? Mike. Uh, and Mike, where can we find you at on Twitter? Uh, I'm at, at CD Piglet. Weird name, I know, but it is what it is. <laughs> There's no real explanation for most of our handles there, Mike. And again, I'm Paul Ryan, and you can find me at Paul underscore Ryan 15. And today, guys, Mike and I will be talking about potential outcomes for the Cowboys draft. But we're going to add a little twist here. Uh, Mike is our resident film grinder and draft. So today we're going to see what Mike's draft dream scenario, his good draft scenario, and what he thinks the Cowboys will do realistically here on draft day. Uh, Dallas has seven picks in this year's draft class. They have 17, 51, 82, pick 123, 164, 179, and 231. Now, Mike, with all those picks, do you think he can find us some good good players there? I do, especially the first four rounds. You know, you have to remember with these mock drafts, that the day three stuff, the five through seven, you'll find people that's like, they're going to go in the fourth round and they're just sitting there in the seventh. You're like, uh, I don't think that's very realistic, but just go with it. Right. And this draft class does have some top tier talent, but it might be deeper. The most, the, the deepest draft class we've seen in quite some time. Yeah, it's, you can get a lot of good players and you can get contributors fifth, sixth round this year. I really believe that. Yeah. And, you know, looking at the state of the Cowboys defense, we could definitely use some depth there and some uh, day one contributors. So uh, without you further, you don't want to go the uh, first three picks on offense, center, wide receiver, backup quarterback. No, huh? I think that I don't know if we talked about a nightmare scenario, Mike, but I think that that would be a Cowboys nightmare scenario. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, that'd be a nightmare. That would not be good. Okay, Mike. Well, without further ado, let's go ahead and get to the uh, the fun stuff. You know, we want to have a little bit of fun on this podcast, so let's talk about your draft dream scenario. Okay. Well, the dream scenario is pretty simple. We need to. Um, man, we need that to bolster that defense. Um, I'm not too worried offensively. I know we need a slot guy, uh, you know, a third wide. Um, Cooper and them haven't been very healthy. So you do want to address that. And your offensive line, I think people have more worries about it than I do. But um, I understand you may need some depth there. Dream scenario-wise, the the way we're going to run this is obviously we're not going to go, oh, Chase Young drops to 17 realistic dream scenario something that's you know that could possibly happen and uh i think we'd start with uh cj henderson uh dream scenario corner one what do you think about that paul you know i'd love to see it i know uh, cj henderson he's i've seen him regularly going in the top 12 even sometimes top 10 so for him to fall to 17 you know, just based on the things that you've told me about him, you know, I'd be pretty ecstatic. I, I think he'd come right in and be our our best cornerback or at least fighting for, you know, the best cornerback on our team. Is that right? Yeah. I, I, I love Henderson. I I have him mocked going ninth uh, if nobody trades up to the Jags. So, like I said, this is dream scenario, likely scenario. Do I think he's there? No. There's just too many teams that need cornerback before us. 
and there's two top guys that stand out above the rest with Akuda and Henderson. So he's likely gone, but let's just say everybody wants offensive tackle and quarterback and wide receiver. And there's all kinds of good ones there. And Henderson slips to us uh, and we take him at 17. Hey, Mike, I love it. I'd be happy to see it. That's for sure. Uh, That being said, if we move to the second round in the dream scenario, uh, I'm looking edge now. Um, I'd love to rely on Alden Smith and Randy Gregory. I'm not going to do that. And even assuming one of them does really well, like they come in and they play and they get eight and a half sacks, and then how do we sign them next year? So, you know, I'm, I'm not looking for one of them to be the guy the next five years. I'm, you know, they could be the guy this year maybe if, if the board doesn't fall right. But we definitely need to address edge, and I'd like to address it early. Uh, in my dream scenario, this is me. Uh, I like Aquara from Notre Dame. Um, realistic. I think he's going to go somewhere in the 40s. He could get to us. He's a little raw. Uh, you know, Zach Bond, I think, goes early. Um, there's uh, Marlon uh, Davison, who I really like, who can play some edge, but is likely going to be a DT. So uh, I went with Aquara. I went realistic and who I like my dream. This is my hopes and dreams. Do you, uh, do you know anything about Aquara out of Notre Dame? No, I was going to ask Mike. I, I'm not too familiar with the uh, defensive uh, players here in this year's draft class. I, I kind of leave that up to you as a, you are the uh, film grinder and the draft guru. So well, what can you tell us about, about a far out of a Notre Dame. He's, I, I will say that he's one for me. Um, Dane Brugler, who's one of our guys. We love him. Everybody knows him a uh, little bit lower on his. He's the 12th edge on his board. He's sixth for me. Um, I, I just like his ability going forward in a couple of years. He's, he's, he's one of those projects, length, speed, um, can set an edge well enough now to where he can get snaps and he won't be a, you know, uh, a liability. But going forward, if you look forward three, five years with good coaching, and I like Tom Sula, so I believe in him, I think he could be one of those ones that we look back and go, that guy got in the second round. Tank was a second rounder, don't forget. Demarcus Lawrence was a second rounder. So those those guys, it happens. Watt, defensive player of the year, dropped all the way to 30th, I think, in his draft. So good edge rushers sometimes fall if you get them and know how to build them. And I think we have the defensive uh, coordinators and coaches to do that. Right. You know, a, a player like that, you know, two years from now could be a nice compliment to uh, DeMarcus Lawrence or maybe even a potential replacement as, you know, DeMarcus Lawrence is getting up there in age and ha- has some miles on him as well. So. Once you give out, yeah, sorry about that, Paul. Once you give out money like they did to Tank, yeah, you're always you're always two, three years from not having that person because it's just how it is in the cap league right now. Right. Yeah, for all those people that think the salary cap isn't real, we'll uh, tell that to your favorite uh, team's GM, right? Yeah, that's true. I'm a, I'm a uh, partial cap uh, – Cap is a myth guy, but I understand when you're paying the large contracts, not exactly a myth. Not not a myth when it comes to Tank and Zeke and Dak, uh, Cooper. 
those guys right. cost a lot of money and and they do eat into your cap percentage so exactly and that's kind of why the draft is so important so you can find those guys in the second and third rounds who can contribute but on are on cheaper deals as well yeah exactly you know a lot of people's dream scenario would be um the 17th pick going to Jamal Adams and I'd eat that trade up. I would love that. But on the other end of it, you know, uh, in this draft, we've gotten CJ Henderson for five years on a rookie contract. Jamal Adams going into next year is going to be looking for a, for a new deal. So you have to factor those things in to your decision-making. Yes. Obviously 2020, 2021, 2022, you're paying him more money and Jamal Adams is going to be the better player, but cornerbacks, a more important position. I think most would say, and you're getting a really good guy at a cheap price. So it's, it's hard to make those decisions. Right. You know, with your first two picks, Mike, you've addressed two big needs really, you know, at a uh, 17 CJ Henderson falls to us. You know, we all know that cornerback is a need, a, you know, a position, not necessarily a weakness, but, you know, a position where we could, where we need really another starting caliber guy, uh, someone who can replace Byron. And then at 51, get us a, uh, a project, if you will, a guy with potential and upside. Uh, what's the plan here at 82? 82, I'm going to add a versatile safety. Um, I'm going Burgess out of uh, Utah. Um I like him as a safety. I think he's fine as a safety. Going into this year, you have HaHa and Woods who will be out there. So if you wanted to move him around and put him in the slot, he plays. Okay, Mike. Well, here at 17 and 51, you you address two needs. Um, I think it's safe to say that neither one of those guys is a reach or is a um, – not necessarily, you know, uh, taking a player to fill a need. You know, both of those guys do fill a need. However, they're not – a reach like some might think, uh, you know, they offer upside and they, they can potentially be day one contributors. Uh, who here at 80, who here at 82 do you have as your draft dream scenario? Uh, in my dream scenario, we're going to add some versatility to the DBs. We got our number one corner and now we're going to add, I think in my opinion, the best safety available. And I believe he'll be available in this range. Uh, Burgess from Utah, uh, very versatile, uh, can play safety just fine. I actually like him there, but has played a lot of uh, nickel out of the slot. So he can slide down if he needs to and do that job. Um, we have two safeties that can start right now with Haha and Woods. So I think the guy we bring in, especially being a top 100 pick, we want him to be a guy that can get on the field. I think Burgess can do that in this area. Um, it gives our uh, defensive coordinator different looks that he can bring in. He can move the safeties around and uh, put matchups that uh, he likes. That's uh, from the, the press conferences that I heard. Um, they want to do a versatile system. They want to run uh, different types of coverages. And depending on who they're facing, maybe match up better. Uh, and I like Burgess in that. I, I just like the ability to play the position right away, but also be versatile enough to move around and do different things with him. Right. Uh, you know, one one common theme last season was that 
how predictable the Cowboys' defense was, especially, uh, you know, the play calling on defense and things like that. So it's uh, it's nice to hear how the uh, new coaching staff wants to wants to mix things up, add some versatility, not be so uh, vanilla, if you will. And you think Burgess offers that here at 82? Yeah, he, he can do nothing but help that. You know, we're, uh, we're Cowboys Twitter guys, so we hear the complaints all the time about the defense and it was basically run the same stuff that I mean they just didn't blitz they ran the same stuff stopped the run on the way to the quarterback and at some point you know they you kind of have to go okay who are you facing and what's the best way to stop this team specifically and what they like to do and we just did not do that last year and it frustrated a lot of Cowboys fans frustrated me and I love the new coordinators talking about being versatile and changing things up depending on the opponent. And I really like Burgess in that uh, in that system. Yeah, well, I'm happy to hear that, Mike. I know uh, just last year, thinking about our defense, Sam Darnold coming back from mono um, in his first game back, he was able to diagnose the Cowboys' uh, defense. I mean, he says, you know, he said himself that we – do the same thing, just a single high safety. So if, if Darnold can do that coming back from a week of mono, you know, you, you've got to think that more experienced quarterbacks are able to do the same thing. So, you know, we're hoping to, to see some new coverages, some new schemes, some in-game adjustments and things like that from this defensive coaching staff. We, uh, we made a lot of mediocre quarterbacks look like kings. I mean, Trubitsky – Allen, no offense to Josh Allen, he's a good young quarterback and everything, but we made him look like he was Drew Brees out there, and that is not good. Yes, uh, that Chicago game, you know, tackling was our was our worst enemy. I, you know, I do remember that. Um, but here, you know, as you've addressed the uh, you've str- addressed the defense and strengthened it, hopefully, you know, we're on to pick one twenty three. That's the uh, I believe another comp pick in the third round. Who do you have going there in your dream scenario? 123 is our fourth round pick. Uh, We do have a comp in the fifth. Uh, At 123, I have us finally going uh, for the receiver. I know that's going to upset a lot of 40 burger uh, people out there. But uh, in the dream scenario, I'm going to get you a good one. Uh, My dream guy is uh, Van Jefferson out of Florida. Uh, His father played NFL for a long time. He's got the pedigree. He comes right in and is your slot. He's he's the third wide receiver right away. Instantly starts in the slot. Um, I love his game. I don't know how familiar you are with uh, Jefferson out of Florida, but I think he's going to be a monster. And in any normal wide receiver draft class, he'd probably be a second-round pick. It's just he's in this one. Yeah, I do. Um, I remember right around the Combine and Senior Bowl, you know, as we're getting prepared, Van Jefferson was a name that I was getting a lot of early buzz. Um, You know, now that that time has passed, it seems like so long ago. He's kind of – his name hasn't been mentioned very much. I know here just recently in the last couple of weeks, I've I've heard him being rumored to the Cowboys, and I'm glad to to hear that you like him too because, you know, uh, we definitely need a slot guy – and Van Jefferson fills that fills that void. I, I know he's a uh, one of the better slot receivers in this draft class. Is that right? Yeah. You know the thing about Van Jefferson, what I what I like about him, when I went with the defensive guys, I try to get guys that I'm projecting 
uh, for the next couple of years. Like um, they're not going to come in, walk in and be killers. But Van Jefferson on the offensive end, I think you have an offensive unit that's that has a lot of guys that are under contract that are really good, but they're missing that one or two pieces that could really like bring them back. They need Cobb. Like Cobb was a big piece and they lost him and they haven't replaced him. I think Van Jefferson walks in and can put in Cobb's around Cobb's numbers day one first season where he doesn't have the upside of the guys that are going to go really early. Nobody's going to mistake him with CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy and Justin Jefferson. But I wouldn't be surprised if Van Jefferson came into a system like Dallas and put up better numbers than a Justin Jefferson did in, say, an Eagle system, even though he'd be more of a 1-2 wide receiver and Van Jefferson would be a clear three behind our two clear starters. Right, yeah, you know, uh, Justin Jefferson might be arguably the best slot receiver in this class. He's mentioned with the uh, top five in the, you know, that upper echelon of wide receivers in this rookie class. Uh, you know, if you have guys like Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, Ezekiel Elliott, and then, you know, Blake Jarwin, now the starting tight end, if you have those guys around you who who are going to be focused on by defenses, I mean, Van Jefferson could slide right in and, like you said, you know, give us the type – Give us the type of season that Cobb gave us last year, this year. So, you know, exactly. that, 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 that's exciting to hear. Yeah, and, and you know, people forget, you know, last year we had a, a t- one of the top-ranked offenses. I think we were second, first or second in uh, yards. Um, he, you just need to, to reinforce that. So whatever you lost, you need to be able to fill in. And, and we all love Jason Witten. We love Jason Witten. This is not a knock on Jason Witten. Father Time doesn't lose battles. He always wins. He beats everyone. And most of us uh, hardcore fans were screaming at our TVs, why isn't Jarwin in on third and 11? You know, what are we running? Witten, who we love, but is a, you know, seven yard out. He's, and getting just Jarwin on the field, I think, helps make up for Cobb. And then adding a Van Jefferson, I think, j- just puts us right back where we were, which is what we want, a top three offense. Right, yeah, just and to your point, Blake Jarwin is, you know, he's he's going to be able to stretch the field more so than Jason Witten, and uh, when he's when he's out there, he our play calling might not be as predictable as it was when we had Witten out there, kind of knowing what he he's either going to block or run a, a slant route. So that that's good to know. Yeah, the bird Jarwin, the bird, as he's affectionately known by our uh, Cowboys Twitter following. He's going to get up the field. Yeah. He's going to fly up the field for us. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm excited to see him this year in a starting role. But so at 17, we take Mr. C.J. Henderson, 51 defensive edge out of Notre Dame, Aquara. 82, we get Burgess out of Utah. And here at 123, you fill the slot wide receiver need with Van Jefferson. Here at 164, this is our, uh, I believe, our second fifth-round pick. Is that right, Mike? This is the first fifth round. The second one's the last pick of the fifth, 179. Okay, yeah, I apologize for that. Here at 164, our first fifth round pick. Mike, who, who do you see there that that would be considered a dream pick for you? 
Okay, so a dream pick for me. This person had a lot of off-field issues, and this is around the area where you like to risk these things, going and get a guy. Maybe there was a medical. Maybe he had some problems off the field that that took him down to the fifth, but you'd normally get him in the top five, uh, 100 picks. So he'd be right. more of a contributor. I went with um, Sadiq Charles from LSU. He's offensive tackle. Um, I, I do believe that they like the tackles that they have. The reason they let Fleming go is because they have no problem. You know, um, uh, the kid Hyatt and um, the other one who played some with the Jets, forgive me for the uh, brain fart, they, they think that they can do it. The reason I'm picking up Sadiq Charles is more of a long-term Tyron replacement. He would be a high pick in this draft. Um, he could play swing tackle just fine, but you want to get him into our system. Um, we've had plenty of problem players, and they've most have worked out pretty well for us. You know, we've we've had our issues, but uh, but we don't mind taking those risks. And I like that about Jerry because when they hit, you get guys like um, uh, uh, Des Bryant. We know he had issues going up. Uh, Collins, um, Jalen on the injury front. So I'm going with him, and I'm thinking that in three, two, three years when Tyron really starts to break down and he's not just missing one, two, three games, this is a guy that could stop in, come in and be your left tackle replacement of the future. Oh, wow. That, you know, pick 164, that would be a steal. And, you know, like you said, Mike, here at this part of the draft where – where a lot of the uh, premium talent has, has been picked. And if not, it's like you said, there might be some off the field stuff or some injury concerns. And if you're willing to take that risk, you can find a guy, you know, like you mentioned again, like a Lyle Collins or a, a Jalen Smith, guys like that who, uh, whose injuries might be a concern or when we're at the wrong place at the wrong time and kind of fell down the draft board. So to get, a potential Tyron Smith replacement at pick 164. I mean, you can't really ask for better than that in the fifth round. Dream. Dream scenario. That's the that's the key here. Absolutely. So uh, here, here we are again at 179. What, what are you thinking here? Here's where it gets a little crazy because a lot of the guys I see, I try to keep it, as realistic as possible, but a lot of the guys you see, uh, you just, I mean, I went with a defensive tackle out of Arkansas, um, uh, Ajim. Forgive me if I'm pronouncing that wrong, but he's a uh, three technique. He's, he would be like a hill. You don't know how much he'd be able to do early on his career, but he'd be somebody that could, uh, could be a hit, like a guy that you take a risk on late. The thing is, I honestly don't know if he's going to be there 179. I, I try to keep the main picks to the first four rounds. We got a fifth here because Sadiq Charles fell, and I think it's believable because of uh, because of the off-the-field issues. But when you get down right. to this late in the draft, I honestly don't know if who all is going to be there. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. These kind of things are, you know, aren't easily predictable, obviously. So you're just kind of going with um, with what you know and what you based off what knowledge you do have. Exactly. I I think that they would if they haven't gotten a linebacker by now that they would want to address that. 
But again, it's, you know, it's crapshoot. So I kind of just went through and said, okay, well, what do we need? What's the best player I see available? Um, he could be there in the fifth round with his, uh, with his abilities that, that feels about right, but I don't want him to go in the fourth. And then you look like a fool going, Oh yeah, this guy's going to be here at the last pick of the fifth round. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And you know, we, we, uh, signed Jared McCoy this off season. We brought in Don Terry Poe, Tyron Crawford coming back. So we have, uh, some older veterans who still have, you know, hopefully some good years left. It would be wise to add some young upside players to that defensive line. You know, last year we did take Tristan Hill, and now you're talking about um, the gentleman here out of Arkansas. You know, I, I like adding the depth. And, you know, again, this late in the draft, you really are seeking upside. And, again, it's not predictable, but I, I, like, I like your thinking here, Mike, this late in the draft. And here we, you're now we're approaching our last pick in the draft. It's pick 231. Are we going upside again here, Mike, or what, what are your thoughts? Actually, I, I just went, I, I have a strong feeling he goes way before this, but he's a punter. So we're just going to take him in the seventh. Man, our, our punter, we're paying our punter a lot of money. He can't do the job anymore. And for some reason, we just haven't really gotten into special teams. We were so bad last year at special teams. Like, we, we complained about the defense. Special teams was bottom of the league. Like, it was terrible. Our punter couldn't do the job. Our kicker couldn't do the job. We kept them both around. I, I don't understand it. I, I wouldn't have them. You got to bring somebody in. So, even if you're using a pick earlier, maybe instead of the DT, you just get man in the fifth. Uh, that would be fine with me, but he was there in the seventh because the mock draft doesn't uh, respect the punters. So I took man and, uh, and I'm good with it. I'm, he's out of A&M, by the way, I apologize. So man out of A&M is the, the new punter in Dallas, huh? Yes. The, yeah, the, like we will be happy. Yeah, just you know, like, kind of like you were saying last year, our special teams was atrocious, and that's probably being being nice about it. Um, you know, our field goal kicker missed regularly. We are we were at a disadvantage more often than not as far in terms of field position. So, I, I do think that um, that is one underrated aspect of the game that might get overlooked or you know definitely underappreciated is to have a quality punter who can give your defense an opportunity to get the offense the ball back and uh, to keep the other team from uh, giving them such easy easy uh, field position that more often than not leads, leads to score. So I, I like I like addressing that need as well, especially with this pick in the draft. I mean, typically you're going to take a kicker here. Is, is that right? Would you say so? Yeah, if you're going to take a kicker, a puncher, this is the area you can do it. A lot of people use their seventh on somebody who they don't want to battle with for uh, undrafted free agency. If they're worried that they're not going to go to you, you take them so you have them on your team, then you can be in control there. But um, it's just hard to know what they're looking for in that range. So when you're doing a mock draft, you know, like I said, the first four or five rounds, what you're really looking for, uh, top 150 picks. And then from there, the mock draft simulators are really a crapshoot. And so you just go by, you know, what a team need, uh, a, a player that you like, and you fill them in there, especially since it's my dream scenario. Right, right. 
Well, Micah, I definitely like uh, what I've heard so far. You know, I know this is the dream scenario, so so hopefully you like every every pick that you make. But now we're going to be a little bit more realistic. Um, here we're going to move on to your your good, not great draft scenario. And again, we're being trying to be as realistic as possible. Here in your your good draft scenario, what, what are we thinking here with these picks? Yeah, I'm trying to be more realistic to where this is. You, I'm really going to be happy about it, but I'm going to be realistic. Like Henderson's not going to make it. It's very unlikely. So in that scenario, uh, I'm going. I'm I'm assuming wide receivers, the top three wide receivers, aren't going to make it to you. Henderson's not going to make it to you, but Chase on could. Uh, and I really what? like Chase on out of LSU. I think he is one of those guys that you could go back in three years and go, he went win 17th, you know, DeMarcus Ware, uh, uh, Aaron Donald types. He could be a freak. And so in this situation, I don't think Dallas would pass him up either. So it's realistic in that way. And that's how I would start my good scenario with a uh, edge rusher out of LSU. Yes. Chase on um, edge rusher out of LSU. He, um, he has been rumored to the Cowboys for probably about the last month. I know out here in uh, Texas, listening to our local fan station, um, that's the guy that a lot of these um, radio personalities, we will, guys who have close ties to the Cowboys, seem to to really like there at seventeen. That you know, not necessarily uh, going to be a shoe in there at seventeen, but somebody who, if he did make it to seventeen, Cowboys. Cowboys Nation should be pretty excited about. Is that right? Yeah. In in gambling scenarios, you have your um, you have your fan betting people who make the bets, and then you have the sharks. Well, the people on ESPN and and the Mel Kuypers and stuff, they do a great job. But almost everyone has a safety mock to us at seventeen, the basic one they've had since it started three months ago. The insider guys, the uh, the guys that that, that know the. Uh, Hellman's, the Brian Broadduses, the guys that we listen to, they, if you did a, a poll of them, most of them would pick Chase on as the guy that was going to land with us the most likely. Right. Well, I, I would not be mad about that at all. So here uh, we're going to move on. To- you know me with Chase on. Sorry, but you know me with Chase on. I'm, I'm running to the podium. Yeah, you've done quite a few mocks here just this last month, and it seems in just about every single one, Chase on uh, has been there for you at pick 17. So that, that's exciting to see. Um, here, we're going to move along here to pick 51. And in your good, your good scenario, your good draft day scenario, Mike, who do, you have the, who do you have the Cowboys taking here? Uh, for a lot of people, this can be a dream scenario here. Um, it fell this way. I liked it. Uh, a lot of people want this guy as early as 17. I think that's insane. But I love him in the second round. And, you know, he has his flaws. But we're taking the safety Grant Delpit falling to us at 51. And we're going to throw those coverage skills out there. And we'll worry about tackling uh, later on because at 51 if you can cover and get the range that Delpit does yeah we'll we'll do the double LSU I'm I'm good with that right and then you know Grant Delpit early in the process he seemed to be uh, the pick that everybody thought the Cowboys would take there at 17 and then you know you as as the uh, process went on you 
see that he had issues with tackling um, in college his last two years there at LSU. So that was something that was a big problem for the Cowboys. And taking a player like that at 17 wouldn't make a lot of sense. But here at 51, you know, he's kind of fallen a bit as uh, as we move along. And, you know, at 51, that's pretty good, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I, I believe he's now somewhere between the 35 and 45 range would be my guess. Um, cover skills, would he'd be top 10. It just, he, yeah, the tackling, it's not a regular. He tackled problems like you would have with a cornerback. And at safety, that's, it's just not a good thing. At 51, you're running, you're running to the podium to take that guy. I mean, he, he does things elite. And if you can get a guy in, in at, out of the top 50 that can cover the way he does, you take it. It's period. And, you know, some people have Delta as their number one ranked safety. Do you feel, do you feel the same way? Mm, I, I'm Winfield Jr. Now, don't get excited, Cowboys fans. That They're not going to take him. Matter of fact, by Cowboys' normal standards, I don't think they take safety in the first two rounds. It's just not something they value. In this case – help it falls you at 51 i mean i gotta think that that in that scenario that you're you're gonna jump on getting them uh but my safety one's winfield jr uh i i run his train i am lead locomotive along with uh, dalton miller uh we uh we lead that delp that winfield train and uh we'll live with it because i think he's gonna be a superstar but i don't think cowboys are interested he doesn't fit what they want to do. He doesn't have the size and length that they would uh, covet from that position. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, so, but even though at 51 to get a starting safety, you know, in this class, I mean, that really could be end up being the steal of the draft. I, I so, 100% agree. Yeah, well, now we're going to move on to pick 82. And uh, what are you thinking here, Mike, in your good scenario? In my good scenario, I need extra bodies. I mean, we have a lot of holes. And so in this scenario, I've traded 82. I uh, made a trade of uh, actually both our third and fourth round picks. I traded 82 and 123. And I moved back to 97. But I moved 123 up to 115. And I add pick 187. So we made a trade. 82 and 123 for 97, 115, and 187. Okay. And so oh, I'm picking that. Yeah, please. I pick seven. Who do, you, who do you have us taking there? I got us taking Danzler. Uh, a lot of people are not going to like that pick because he ran a 40 slow. Uh, I get it that, that, you know, odds wise, there's only been a couple of corners that have done well after running a. Four six. Um, I just under the circumstances. I, I've watched. I'm going to take the tape. I've watched this tape. He's a sticky corner. Um, there is not many got he and he faced them all. And there's not many guys that went running by him. So you know the the combine was really different this year. And I just if, if some kind of change made his time run a half a second slower now we're not going to draft him like he was considered in the first top of the second and now he's falling uh in the hundreds like i'm getting at 97 and he honestly in the mock was like 108 
So I was like, no, no, I'm going to get this guy. He's cor- He can be a corner one, I believe. I think he's sticky enough. He can definitely be a corner two, and you're getting him in the third round. So I'm I'm very happy with Danzler at 97. Yeah, so based on what you're saying, it sounds like we could be getting a steal there at 97. Uh, We're addressing the secondary uh, in 51 with Delpit, and now you get us another secondary piece with Danzler. Um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty exciting stuff. But, you know, I know the combine for some people is all be all. Uh, but, and then you have the other side who just focuses on the film. And you, you would say that's that's typically how you value your players, right, is by watching their game film? If something on the film told me Danzler can't stay with people and then he runs a 4-6, now I'm worried. I mean, the combine has its needs. You know, it, it, it you need to watch it three cone 40 yard dash it means something to a lot of positions and corners one of them but under the circumstances of how they did the combine this year and changed it up if it threw you off half a second and your tape says you're a one two grade and the combine threw you off half a second and you're dropping to a hundred that i'm running to it I, i think danzler is sticky i think he can cover guys i'd be happy to take him at 82 um, but he was there after the trade back, so I'm getting him at 97. So not only did we trade back, but we still get a starting caliber player and we get an additional pick. I mean, you can't really ask for much more than that, even even in your good scenario. I mean, this is this is pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, I like it. I, uh, uh, I you know, Henderson's another level corner, and I think, uh, you know, in the dream scenario, you got a pretty good uh, – edge later on that i think you could develop i don't know if he could be the freak chase on could be though i mean chase on could be like von miller-esque like he he could right. be if he develops he could be really freakish pass rusher but i like the good scenario and uh with the trade instead of 123 we're at 115 and i was able to sneak a guy i think a lot of cowboys twitter is gonna like um I was able to get uh, Brian Edwards, the wide receiver from South Carolina. Uh, yes, sir. And he he ate up C.J. Henderson. And then when they faced off uh, in a regular wide receiver draft where it wasn't this deep, I think you get him early second round. Um, 115, uh, I would say around 85, I would start start worrying about him going. But he made it to 115, so I'm not going to complain, and I'm going to run to the podium and take him. Yeah, so just a uh, shout-out to the fantasy community. Brian Edwards is somebody who has been on the fantasy radar for quite some time. I know he had an early breakout age, and then uh, last year he was playing, uh, I believe, with Debo Samuel. And this year he's all alone up there in South Carolina, and uh, he's, a, he's a wide receiver who has been getting talked a lot about, and again, the fantasy community. But now he's starting to make some noise in uh, on NFL Twitter, if that's what you'd like to call it. So to get Brian Edwards, um, you know, he could fill that slot, slot me. He could even play on the outside. He offers a, a skill set that adds some versatility to the offense. Yeah, I like him a lot. Uh, Paul's being modest. He's one of the pillars of the fantasy community. He's helped me win several games this last year, even won a championship. Uh, following some of his advice. So uh, look for him on that also. If you need fantasy advice, him and a lot of his follows 
fantasy. Go to it. Have fun. It's a blast. One of my favorite things to do. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. I'll I'll take a uh, percentage of your championship winnings whenever you've got whenever you get the chance. I'm losing you, Paul. Sorry. What'd you say now? Huh? I'm losing <laughs> I'm you. Making up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you. Well, Mike, you know, I was told there'd be no math here on this podcast. Now, I know we made the trade back. We went, went and got nine, 97. I believe it was pick 125. Is that correct? 115. And now we don't have another one until 164. But like I told you, I'm, I'm, I'm up for getting big players in the first top 150. So I know that's a big drop off from 115 to 164. But I don't mind doing it because look what we added. You know, we were able to go up and get a Edwards because of that. Right. You still with me, Paul? I'm still with you. Sorry, Mike. I have a. I've got a shoddy connection here. I do apologize. So we were at right. It's with the edit buttons. That's what the uh, absolutely. So you were just going over what pick was it, sir? After one, one twenty-five. We were at one fifteen, and we are now at okay. Pick one sixty-four, guys. Excuse me for that. So we're at pick one sixty-four, Mike. What are we thinking here? I got us a powerhouse guard. I think he's realistic there. It's uh, Jonah Jackson. Um, not a space guy. He he is Ronald Leary. Ronald Leary was the immovable object. You need him to go left or right pulling. You know, he's not Connor Williams. He's not Tyron Smith. But he was a powerhouse, and you couldn't push him back. And I love that about Jonah Jackson in a small space. Uh, you stick him in there, and um, you're not going to move him. And he will likely move you. Super powerhouse uh, guard. And um, I like the fit because we need some guys. You know, we played really good uh, the rookie year when Connor Williams had went out. Our run game got improved when we brought in Suofilo, who's not right. as good, but he's a power guy. And we were able to do some things because he couldn't, you couldn't get back into the pocket and, and blow up a play. And I like the idea of having him there. He's not going to start. He's, you know, a backup. He probably doesn't even see the field. He's probably a practice squad guy for, for a while or an inactive. But the idea of having a powerhouse guy there in case of an injury, in case Connor Williams needs to move, you know, we don't know what's going to happen between McGovern and Looney at center. So I just I like getting a guard here and just getting an immovable wall. It's like taking a one technique late. You know you could throw him in there and he's going to be right. Tough and you to know, move at around. this point of draft, sometimes you're you're shooting for upside, or sometimes you're just adding depth. But you know, offensive line isn't necessarily a a position of weakness by any means, and we don't even necessarily need that much depth. But when you can add it, especially with a with a pick this late, I think you. You just go ahead and you you uh, you make that pick. It's not sexy. It's not it's not exciting, but it's just a good solid pick. Yes, I agree. Now here we are. We're moving on to the uh, 
the good scenario, and Mike, again, please forgive me, um, was was this pick affected at all in the trade back? We are on the comp pick in the fifth okay, round. Okay, so we still have pick 179. Okay. Yes, we have 179, 187, right. which we added in the trade, okay, and then okay. 231. Now, again, as, as we've said before, the we don't know who's going to be there in these situations. Uh, I think uh, this late, Dallas is going to want to get a linebacker, so this is the time to do it. I took TJ Brunson out of uh, South Carolina and um, I like him team captain uh, ability to cover enough. He's a good run stopper. He's one of those guys that plays special teams for you. And uh, you hope he can develop into uh, a Damian Wilson or a Hitchens who we've taken in the fourth round, who both are Super Bowl <laughs> champs now. Thank you, Kansas city. But uh we're good at getting those linebackers and filling them in there late. And I think this is another guy that would be fine doing that. He'd be able to fit in in a year or two and, and be a starter when Lee and Thomas are gone. Right, so either just uh, adding the depth there and knowing that Sean Lee, he's getting older and Joe Thomas is just on a one-year deal, maybe adding some depth with this pick there. And uh, in case of injury, you know, this guy might be able to, to uh, slot in for a game or two, you think? Yeah, and when we get into the more realistic one, I think linebacker becomes more urgent for them. I don't think they're going to be waiting for the fifth round. But for me, I want to get a body, and this is a good scenario, and I like getting a guy like Brunson at this time. I think he's a, that, that's a good yeah, well, value. Yeah, on 179, if you can get a guy who, I mean, even just – he only starts three games for you, but he starts three games for you and does it well, I feel like that's a, that's a good pick. Yeah, I agree. And and you're looking for guys in 2021, 2022 that you think can develop into people who can become important on your team at that time of the draft. And just um, to finish off the really good one, the last two picks are the same as uh, as the right. um, the dream scenario. Like I said, late rounds. So we went with the DT and the punter. We don't really have to go much into that because, you know, we already have. But that's the situation where it's late and you don't know what's going to be there. So, again, I'm just taking a best available. And then I took the punter because we, we needed to Yeah, absolutely. We kind of broke that down um, earlier uh, in the pod. But I agree. A, a good punter really proved to be a, uh, a valuable asset. Well, Mike, we've talked about the, uh, the dream, the great, if you will good what we realistically think what's going to happen now we're going to talk about what we think the cowboys are going to do you know we've been longtime cowboys fans and you know watching them play and uh listening to people close 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 to the organization and then seeing their uh draft tendencies if you will you know we we've kind of have an idea of the players they like players they don't like and where they're willing to take risks so here we are with the uh, yeah as realistic as possible what we think the Dallas Cowboys are going to do on draft day and Mike go ahead and get us started at 17 where do you see uh where do you see Will McClay picking there at 17 uh first off there's a I want to give a shout out to Katie Drummond 
uh, one of the Cowboys Twitter guys we follow, he just put out his commandments for the Cowboys. And a lot of people don't understand that they have a big philosophy. They'll do a mock draft and they have a signed Duggar in the second round or, you know, a safety early. And if you follow McClay and the Cowboys front office enough, I know that some things will change with the new coaching staff, but they have pretty basic philosophies about where they what they want to spend their draft value on, what they believe in as far as small schools and where to take people. And uh, I just want people to go look at that because when I'm making my picks, I follow that pretty religiously. So you won't see me going outside of the typical Cowboys uh, commandments. As yes, Katie Drummond is a must follow if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, that's for sure. Yeah, agreed. Uh, at 17 in the likely scenario, as we said before, you can ask Broadus Hellman, any of them chase on's very likely. Uh, I, I give it a 50, 50. He's there. I just, man, edge rushers are so hard to get. If he's there, I think he is the top pick of the uh, most likely. I think they'd take him over uh, any cornerback, not named CJ Henderson or Jeffrey Okuda. Um, and, as much as I hate to say it, I because I, I'm going for the top value guys, even if one of the receivers made it, the top three receivers, I do think they would value the edge over a third wide receiver. So for likely scenario, I'm going chase on, and we've discussed them. You know about them. Freak right, and you know, um, we kind of talked a bit about the offense and how, let's say, just a, a position of strength on this team. I mean, I – Speaking just for myself, I, I'd much prefer taking Chase on that 17 than I would, let's just say, a, a Jerry Judy or a Henry Ruggs. I know this is a thing. I'm I'm a Chase on or bust guy, but I'm also a best player available at needs. So I will say that if one of those top three receivers came, it would be hard for me to pass up on him just because I have him valued a right. little higher than Chase on on my board. Um, so, man, I, I would probably have to bite the bullet and go with receiver, but I would cry hard tears about it because Chase on is my like, that's my guy this draft. I want him to fall to us. I want him to be our edge. I think I think he's going to be a right. You know, ho- hopefully sure. we're not dealing with another Randy Monis. Randy Moss and Greg Ellis situation, right? Oh, God. Well, I mean, listen, uh, Greg Ellis is a solid starter for us. I don't think he's in the class of Chase on as far as prospects Mm -hmm. concerned, and I love him. Uh, And I also, I don't believe the three receivers as really good as they are. I don't think any of them are Randy Moss either. Like, Randy Moss made it to where he was on us because of a character issue. Otherwise, he'd have flew off the board so fast. He was like, he was like those three combined into one: run like rugs, run routes like Judy, catch balls like CD Lamb. Yeah, he was. Ridiculous. You know, it's kind of funny you say that though, because um, some people have, uh, or not, not some people. There's a uh, fantasy football app. It's like it's called the Player Profiler app. If you're a, fantasy football guy i'd highly suggest you check it out but on player profile it has all of cd lamb's metrics and traits and his player comp was actually um actually you know what i'm sorry it was jerry rice not randy moss so forgive me for that but i thought that was 
That ain't that ain't bad. Your comp's the greatest yeah. to ever do it. Oh wow. Yeah, exactly. What an insult. <laughs> so as we uh you know, we grabbed Chase on again and I'm not you know, I'm not too mad about that. You know, you had him in a good draft scenario and you um you know, we've talked about him quite a bit just over the last couple of months. You know, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that is so we get to pick at 17. But now as we move along to pick 51 and what we think the Dallas Cowboys are going to do, Mike, who, who's your pick? Uh, my belief is that they want to go cornerback edge in whatever order the first two rounds. So if C.J. Henderson falls, they'll take him and, and go for edge in the second. If uh, C.J. Henderson gets picked and they end up with a chase on, they're going to go for a cornerback uh, of the best value. I think Igbenogany is a good fit and somebody that could fall to 51. In the likely scenario, Diggs fell. Um, there's been a lot of talks of Diggs having a little bit of a tumble, so it made it believable for me because most people believe he will be second to mid-second round. And uh, they love their Alabama guys and their Alabama secondary. So I picked Diggs in the likely scenario. Yeah, just here recently, I know, uh, again, at the beginning of the draft process, Diggs was being mentioned, not necessarily as a first-round pick, but, you know, one of the top cornerbacks in this draft class. And it just seems here in the last few weeks, uh, Diggs has been kind of sneaking back into the later part of the first round. Yeah, I've had – I've. I've had two or three different um, reports that I trust that aren't, you know, just uh, blowing smoke that said that he's likely not a first rounder and he'll go somewhere early to mid second round. Now, uh, man, I don't, I don't see it. I know Alabama is very particular. Like they teach you what you need to know to be good for them and they kind of stick to it. But the kid was really good at it. So you'd think, you'd think if he was taught something else in his first couple of years in the NFL with NFL coaching, that he'd be able to pick that up as well. Um, I love his height. I love his length. Um, I, I think he's going to be a good corner. So at 51, if he somehow makes it to 51, you fly. You, you fly up there and you get yeah. it. Or I guess you – Zoom. Yes, and, you know, hopefully you don't you don't lose your uh, internet connection when you're trying to make that pick. Am I right? Oh my! Can you imagine? Diggs is sitting there, the internet connection goes down, and and it gets to 52, and he's picked before you get oh, your geez. pick in. I'm sure Jerry nuts. and Steve would have something to say about that. Well, you know, I'm noticing a trend here with the yeah. with these draft scenarios, Mike. It's, Defense, defense. Now we're moving on to 82. Are you going to surprise me or are we going defense again? Defense. De- well, this is the realistic one, and I just don't see them getting out of the okay. top 100 without picking a linebacker. There has okay. been there's been all kinds of smoke with them, with uh, uh, Wilson out of Wyoming. Um, they are not normally small school but that's early on. Uh, there's not many times that they'll pick a small school guy in the top 100. This is 82, but there's enough smoke where I would consider it that they would do it even this high. So uh, my likely scenario is Wilson linebacker out of Wyoming. Love him. Uh, I think he could play right now. Um, coverage, uh, tackling, special teams, 
if he played at a big school, he would not be in the third round, but he plays for Wyoming. So he falls. And this is, this could be one, one of those ones that you look back. I know I've said that for a couple of guys, but seriously, Wilson is going to be a good line. Yeah. Wilson, not, not a name I've heard very often. You know, I don't, I don't dive too deep into this draft class, uh, you know, quite like you. I know um, for fantasy, it's mainly uh, based, uh, a main focus on the offensive players. So, you know, to get a start in the third, in the third round. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, that's good, especially when we don't know. Uh, again, we've talked about Sean Lee's age, Joe Thomas, he got a one-year deal and maybe some, uh, not necessarily concerns, but just questions about uh, Leighton Van Der Esch's neck and, Jalen Smith has his injury injury pass, you know, to, to for a third And yeah, not to cut you off, Paul. Uh, I apologize, but I also believe Jalen's going to be in for a new type of way of mm-hmm. playing in this uh, new system. I don't think he's going to be your typical in linebacker now. I think he's going to be more like a four okay. three over uh, rusher. Um, Kyle Van Oy style um, and uh, it'll be one where he'll blitz quite a bit and he'll rush quite a bit and he'll get out in coverage some but Wilson's m- would more take over his spot or Lee's spot next to uh, Leighton Vander Esch in a uh, 4-3 over or a 3-4 front right. where they need and the uh, you know guys. correct me if I'm wrong but coverage isn't really one of Jalen's specialties I mean he's capable of doing it he could probably do it well on some plays, but overall, that's not something you want him to be doing regularly. Is that right? He has he has the athleticism to cover. Um, so if a running back, if if the play calls for him to blitz, if the running back stays in or run with the running back if he comes out, he's able to do that. Where he is hit and miss is when he's got an under zone cover. He basically just plays over the top and then runs and tackles. And, you know, he was a good tackler. He had his problems this last year, but he's always had been a good tackler from Notre Dame uh, on to here. But coverage has never been his strength. So I welcome the change personally, uh, moving him to a uh, over Sam. Right. Or, uh, kind of, of maximizing his strength, hopefully, will be the case this year. Yes. It's amazing how yeah, defense will be a nice change, right? That's it's nice. Well, here we are. Defense, yes. defense, defense with pick 17, 51, 82. We're moving on to pick 123. Mike, what do you got for us? Okay, well, in this scenario, in the realistic scenario, I believe if he fell to you, that would be great. I don't think he will. And I think they really like this guy. There's another guy that there's been a lot of smoke with. So I have them giving up some picks and moving up from 123 up more towards the 100 mark and taking Burgess. Um, There's really, you know, we're doing a realistic thing. So there's no reason to go like they're going to move to 103 and give up this. They're going to move up from 123 into around the 100 area because that's around where Burgess's value Mm -hmm. is. He'll be gone right in that area. So I have them moving up and taking Burgess. Um, out of Utah, and we talked about him before, versatile piece. I'd love to get him in there, especially adding him with Diggs and Wilson. Uh, I I love that for 
for uh, a complete unit. Obviously, Chase On's your edge rusher, your project, your your guy who could be the guy at the end of the 10 years from now draft where you go, holy crap, we had another DeMarcus Ware type. But the Wilson uh, Diggs and Burgess thing could be the thing that makes your defense championship worthy. I, I really like that. I think they'll move up. I think they like them. They're not just going to sit back because of a fifth round pick when you have two of them. Right. You know, and move here up with our first it. four picks, we're going defense, defense, defense. And all these guys are going to be rookies. And we've already got it. You know, some questions kind of in the secondary, you know, what what should we expect out of Cheeto Rougier? You know, what are we going to see out of Jordan Lewis? Can Anthony Brown stay healthy? What what can we expect from Hog, Clinton Dix, and um, out of our safety woods? Adding four rookies, you know, that could either make or break this defense. Would you agree? Yes. Yep. And I think, you know, a lot of people want to win it this next year and stuff and maybe the new coaching and a powerful offense and stuff like that. But I can't draft just going 2020. I've got to think towards 2021, 2022 with these guys because the quarterback's going to get paid, the receiver's paid, the running back's paid. We got to fill our defense up with good players that's that at affordable price the next four years. So that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm building the right, defense and, up you know, the, the draft. It's not always a bad thing to add youth to the defense. It's just you don't want to have – you don't want to only rely on it. And thankfully, we've got some veterans there on the defensive line. And, you know, with these coaching changes, uh, you know, the defensive coordinator and the defensive line coach, hopefully they can coach these guys up to, you know, maybe they're rookies but they're playing like veterans or, you know, always putting them in a position to succeed to where those rookie mistakes are won't be – seen as often as you would with a coaching staff that doesn't really get creative more often than not. Agreed. I de- you know what's funny is ideally, even with the uh, draft that we've had minus Chase on, ideally Diggs doesn't need to come in and be cornerback one you know, right away. Wilson is a special teamer, and our guys stay healthy, and our linebackers that we have can play. And Burgess is a guy who's on the team, you know, special teams and comes in occasionally. But these aren't all guys that are going to come in and, and get 50% right. of the snaps in 2020. That's, that's just not how they're built. They they signed enough pieces to cut cover to CYA, cover their A. And, uh, yeah, and um, the hope is that the defensive schemes and the way they attack each opponent specifically – um, to attack their weaknesses is that these guys don't need to be big contributors. They're ones taking people's places to keep us good. If uh, Cheeto or Lewis is gone and Ha Ha or Woods is gone, Lee retires and Joe Thomas goes to another team. Well, now you have guys that step in, they know the system, they've been there a year, they've played some in it, and you pick right up where you left off. And you've got these pieces right. for and, the and next when you have, three, four years. When you draft that way and you're able to hit on players like that, and you've got a young team that, you know, you just paid your franchise quarterback, but you're getting productive players on cheaper deals. That's kind of how – that seems to be the common theme with uh, championship teams with the really good franchises. Yes. So here, you yep, know, I agree. We've, we've noticed the theme. It's defense, 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 and more defense. 
we did trick back into the uh, top 100 to grow and grab Burgess. Uh, forgive me, Mike. I I don't recall. We we'd be at 160. So we only lost 123 or 123 and what else? And 179. Now you probably have to give up something next year right. to do that. I don't mind. We have 12 picks. Throw in some fifth round. We're gonna have yeah. five comps, you know, next year. So it's no big deal. Um, like I said, this is a likelihood scenario. So the the likelihood is the trade up. The details are one twenty three, one of your fifths, and probably a next round late day three pick mm-hmm. moves you up the twenty spots you need to go. Um. Tough pick at 164. I, I I like to see Sadiq Charles there. Um, if they went that way and went with the offensive tackle replacement for Tyron the next few years, maybe uh, he ends up being the flex. I think that they would attack um, trades uh, next year for wide receiver because they didn't address it in this year's draft. Maybe they give up a, a three and a five next year to go get Christian Kirk or – they give up uh, five, six, and get good wins. Somebody that could, you know, reliably play the slot. I know the forty burger people wouldn't like that. Um, I think I'm going to go Prochet though. I'm going to pick James Prochet to be the uh, the choice wide receiver, and he can be your slot guy. He can be a returner. Um, there, there's a reason he goes this late. You know, there's there's question marks, but he just knew how to get open. And I liked the Cole Beasley aspect of him. Like Cole Beasley was quick, but not fast. Nobody would, uh, you know, say he was really uh, supreme athletic, you know, or anything like that. But you put him in that slot and you put Jarwin Gallup, Zeke Pollard, Amari Cooper around him. And there's so many people you have to cover and you just sit there and go, God dang it. How can we, uh, how can we cover this guy? And he just gets open and picks up third downs. And that's why I like him. And then the Absolutely, fifth round. Absolutely. Yeah. Prochet is someone again, who's been getting talked about uh, when you, when you talk about the best slot wide receivers in this draft class, a local guy out of SMU, just like Cole Beasley. I'll take the pick. You know, we, we can also use a, uh, we can never have enough receivers, I guess, to offer, um, the skill set to be able to return punch or, or kickoff. So uh, I'm happy with that pick. It fills, it fills a need and it's not a reach at all by any means. I agree. I, I, all right. I'd so we had four there. picks in the top 100. We just picked out 164. And now was uh, 231 is going to be our last pick. Is that right, Mike? And are, are we going the punter route again, or Correct. are we switching it up on them? If we did realistically, I don't think Man's there. I think he goes before the seventh round. He's he's a really effective punter. Um, going for Dallas, I think that a cornerback is very likely. They try to get the guy a guy with size and traits that they like. Um, another linebacker could be very possible. Um, specifically, this, the mock drafts have so many people like Bravion Roy is there. Like, well, yeah, of course you're going to get Bravion Roy at pick 231. If he's somehow there, you know, you get a, 
a guy who could be your one technique for the next, you know, friggin' five, six years. But I just don't, when you get that low, you know, Julian Blackman, could he fall? Sure. He's around that, that area. Uh, punter, I guess. I don't believe he'll be there. But specifically, 231 is going to be about finding in the realistic draft. It's going to be about finding someone that they want to put on their, on their roster that they don't want to have to worry about fighting other teams for, on, uh, for undrafted free agents. It'll likely be cornerback, safety, linebacker, a position like that that a lot of people are after, maybe an offensive lineman. So just look for that. Uh, specifically, right. yeah, sure. I kind of find it interesting in your dream scenario and in your good scenario, you did have man going with the last pick in our draft. But here in the uh, Cowboys scenario, you have them taking a uh, potential upside pick. Is there? Is it just because you you think that's the smarter move? Or well, why, why is it? No, when, when Dallas – pardon me, Paul. When uh, when when Dallas does their sixth, seventh round guys, they start to look for guys that they know they want to get in undra- as undrafted free agents. You start talking to them early, really during day three. You probably already have conversations now with people's agents. But by the end of day three, you've gone through and you've talked to this and that. And they're saying, well, we have offers from this guy and we have offers here and we have offers here. So they're looking for a linebacker, a safety, a corner. And they are like, hey, we're pretty good on this linebacker. We think we can get him. We're pretty good on this corner. This safety, I don't know. He's got offers from this and that. We may want to pick him to keep him from getting to uh, an undrafted free agent where they get to pick their own team. That's what they would do. So I don't think they would go as much punter and dream scenarios are good scenarios. We want to upgrade the punter. I just don't think they're going to be able to do that in the seventh round. They're going to try to get a guy that they can stick on their practice squad or that they could have um, for uh, that. So they don't have to battle with other teams. For, right. You know, uh, maybe for, just adding uh, a, a developmental a piece agent. to the practice squad. Yes. Exactly. Well, Mike, you know, I mean, you, yep, exactly. you've done a great job. I've got to say, you know, you broke down your dream scenarios. You broke down your good scenario. You broke down what you think the Cowboys would do. You know, I hope I, I don't mean to hurt your feelings. I'm not going to lie. I kind of, I did like the Dallas, what you think Dallas will do only because a team that was one game away from the playoffs that can somehow go into the following year's draft class and have four top 100 picks. I, I feel like, that's really exciting, only for the fact that typically teams with that kind of draft capital are a year or two away from really uh, making any noise, from making a playoff run or just even reaching new playoffs. And to, to think that the Cowboys could add four top 100 picks to go along with the team that we, we currently have is pretty exciting. Yeah, we. the thing about our team is as much as – the people, as it's yeah. called on Twitter, the hashtag Dak Hate Hive doesn't like to admit it. We had a quarterback dragging a bad, uh, a, a below average defense, a horrible special teams, and a uh, how am I going to be nice? A poor head coach. Uh, I, I don't want to be mean, but just he just they didn't follow decision making, wasn't great. And I mean, there's just stuff like 
like our our field mm-hmm. position was like worse than the league, one of the worst in the league starting field position. And you have one of the top offenses and and you'll hear a lot of the we were behind and we were this and that. And I'm like, yeah, that's what happens when you have bad coaching and a bad defense and bad special teams. You get behind and then you have to come back and you had a quarterback with a with good weapons. They had drops, but he had a good team running with Zeke and an offensive line and some receivers. And we had to drag a bad team. And so now you go into a draft and you reload that side of the defense and then you go in, you know, you bring in some key free agents. And the hope is that if the defense and them, if the defensive special teams can improve moderately and you keep the offense around where it was with the quarterback going into its fifth year with his second uh, year's offensive coordinator, and you have a Mike McCarthy who will hopefully take some chances and, and run some different stuff that now you can you can make a run because the idea is just to get there. You get in the playoffs, you don't know what's going to happen. So get there and, and get it. Right, a game and just kind of go along with um, your, your saying about the people on Twitter who hate back. You know, if you are actually watching with open eyes, if you're watching, if you've been watching the last four seasons, what we've seen with Dak, you know, the, the progress, the uh, the ability to win the tough games, the ability to come back and, you know, win on the road or to, to put together a game-winning drive. I mean, there's a lot of optimism uh, around Dak. And if, if you can be realistic, you know, Dak, I, I don't see how Dak doesn't win at least one Super Bowl in his career. So we, we're very fortunate to have found Dak uh, there in the fourth round and, uh, you know, just give this guy a, a good coaching staff or, you know, a decent defense. And, you know, I really think that we could see a lot of deep playoff runs here in the next four to five years. Me too. I, I, I like the offensive side. I like the leader we have at quarterback. And uh, I'm excited to see him hopefully get better coaching and, and get a defense that it can be used as a weapon too. You know, uh, uh, Kansas City didn't just win that game on one, one side of the ball. They, they had to play some defense to win that Super Bowl. And New England, uh, we all love Tom Brady, but New England's defense has been religiously amazing. When they're not good, they don't win. They lost to the Eagles because their defense couldn't stop anybody. You know, so the, the other – parts of the game matter so the quarterback can be really good and have his best season you can go eight and eight and that's called having a bad team or having a bad coach or you know a, a hundred different right just kind of going along with that you know people tend to for some reason compare russell wilson and Dak prescott and you know they always say how much better russell wilson is well people seem to forget how dominant that defense was for russell wilson when he won the super bowl and how good that defense was when he went back and faced New England as well. So uh, I just think, you know, being the Cowboys quarterback, you're under such a bigger microscope and anything and everything you do can be used against you. You get criticized for it. So, you know, hopefully after this year, you know, when Dak takes us to the playoffs and wins us, you know, obviously we want to win a Super Bowl or, you know, wins us two playoff games. Hopefully people can kind of see that, you know, Dak really is the real deal. And when he has a, a competent coaching staff and when he has a, quality defense. I mean, this guy can really lead you, lead you to the promised land. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm waiting for Well, Mike, it's been a lot of fun. You know, I, I appreciate the insight. I appreciate you hopping on with me. I'm looking forward forward to working with you in the future. You know, you gave us your dream day draft scenarios, your your good draft scenarios, and what you uh, what you think the Cowboys will do. And you also recently, you did post your first round NFL mock draft, including trades recently on Twitter. I uh, really enjoyed that. Uh, you even included trades. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, where, again, where can we find you out on Twitter, Mike? At CD Piglet. I should, I should probably pin that mock draft so it's easier to find. You know, I don't, I don't do that much, but it was a lot of fun and I did trades because I wanted to be as Absolutely, realistic. Absolutely. I, I thought that was good. Was uh, I felt trades, like you got so. some good, um, good, uh, re- respond re- responses from it especially with people just who you know we interact with uh, as far as talking about cowboys and stuff so i really i really like that draft you know it offered a lot of good insight it was it felt very realistic even with with the trade so look for mike and his first round mock you know again you can find mike at cd piglet again i'm your host paul ryan and you can find me at paul underscore ryan 15 and this is the Across the Cowboys podcast, and we'll see you next week.